0: It's Something for Nothing, the Rush fan cast, Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, today on my car ride home from work, I was listening to Presto. Were you really? I was, and it was awesome. You know, the other day I was picking up my daughter and I
1: had WDHA on the radio and it was Halloween Yeah. and Terry Carr, our friend Terry Carr, Uh played Ghost of a Chance for Halloween. Wow. Did you play Witch Hunt too? I was only listening for like five minutes in the drive, but I was
0: like, Ghost of a Chance. Nice. That's a deep cut. You know, Terry, she's a big Rush fan. Yeah. But what I wanted to say about Presto is I was listening to the version that is on this box set, Jer, the okay. studio albums 1989 to 2007, and it's remastered and it sounds amazing. Oh, really? So I would suggest if you're a Rush fan and you don't have this collection, to get it because it sounds really, really good. So what albums are on it? Everything from Presto to Snakes and Arrows. Oh. Yeah. And the remastered versions, I believe, of Presto and Roll the Bones. And also the remaster of Vapor Trails is on here. Oh, that's cool. So if you don't have that, you get the Vapor Trails remastered too. It's very cool. Nice. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at TheRushCast. Email Jerry, the Rushcast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro, that's Lex. I'm a little sick. I don't know if you can tell, Jer. So you better read that email quick. I couldn't tell, Steve. Your voice sounds as great as usual. But yeah, I do have
1: an email from Joe. What's up, Joe? Listener Joe. He's writing in about our episode with Leonie Jane Kennedy. She was awesome. Yeah. He says, this episode was truly one of the best ones to date. Leone is an impeccable musician. I loved her cover of Tears. It's so haunting. I must say, it's better than the Rush version on 2112. See? See? I'm not the only one who says stuff like that. Right. I'm going to get some emails on this email. (laughs) I've always enjoyed the song myself, but now I love it even more. I cannot wait for the New World Woman album to come out next March. She should think about doing a collaborative album with Jacob Moon. That would be cool. It would be fantastic. I think Steve would think so, too. I don't know why he singled you out between the two of us, but there you go. Since Rush has left us, along with the passing of Neil, your podcast has certainly filled the Rush void for your listeners. What is even more interesting is the expansive library of cover songs that I have heard because of your podcast. I can't wait for your next covers episode. Thanks for all you do. Regards,
0: Joe. Awesome, Joe. Thanks so much for that email. We really appreciate it. And I think it's just because I'm more apt to think that these covers are better than the Rush versions than you are. That's true. Reason they he singled me out. Yeah, that's true. Why is that, Steve? I don't know. Let me ask you this. Okay. If you asked Getty and Alex, is Leone's version of Tears better than the version on 2112, what do you think they would say?
1: Well, they're very generous people. Mm-hmm. And humble. So I would assume they would say that it is.
0: I think they would. But I think they would actually think it is. (laughs) 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 You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I think so too, because I think they're a little critical of their older work too. That's true. So I think that combined with the fact that it's so great, I think they would think that. I agree with 100%, Steve. So, Jarrett, a couple of weeks ago, we went to the A Night for Neil concert in St. Catharines, Ontario. We were lucky enough to meet the man behind the exceptional blog called the Canadian music scene. He has been following rush for decades. Paul Ballou, welcome to the rush Fancast. Well, thank you for
2: uh, inviting me. I'm quite thrilled to be taking part in this. It was a great meeting you guys there too.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for being here. We'd like to start out by asking our guests, their rush origin story. Paul, when did you (laughs) first hear rush and how did you become a fan? I prepared. <laughs> I did read your email. Yeah.
1: Actually, it's been go, that long ago that you had to have notes.
2: Uh, well, no, I just kind of <laughs> like I, I I, could we could go for 20 hours if you let me go. So I had to kinda figure out to condense it down to an hour. So <laughs> first time I heard Rush was in 1975. I was playing in a band and the guitar player came down and I had a Stan Peters album on my turntable and he kind of ceremoniously lifted up and gave her a little toss and put down this album and first song to come on as Anthem. And I kind of went, Oh, what the hell is this? Right. You know, <laughs> God bless Stan Peters, a very big Canadian band, but nowhere close to rush. Although they do have a claim to fame with rush and that Terry Brown mixed that album that my friend threw on the floor. <laughs> 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 so even back then Terry Brown had influence on music. I listened to even before rush and didn't know it. And, uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. But then it was quite a while later. I lived up in North Bay, which is uh, what a two and a half, three-hour uh, drive north of Toronto. And Rush did not come there until October eighth, nineteen seventy-six. However, the good thing about that is that was part of the, after Twenty One Twelve. So I got to see my first show that had you know By Tour and Anthem in Twenty One Twelve and you know uh, Lakeside Park. So it just solidified the fact that they are and became my favorite band of all time, (laughs) you know, and I knew right then that my life was going to be changed because yeah, they've been part of my life ever since basically. And always will be, I guess until the day they, uh, they say goodbye to me. And, uh, yeah, so it was, that was my kind of experience, you know, you know, I was 15 to see my first concert up there. It was like, you had the old days where you, uh, as soon as the gates opened up, you just ran, tried to get your best spot in front of the stage. And I managed to get right in front a little bit on Alex's side and, you know, so not only did I love these guys musically, but now to see them live, it just, wow, you know, you know, by two in a snow dog when Alex is using his his volume pedal to, you know, all that <laughs> stuff and the blue lights. It was just, you know, it just, I just realized, wow, that these guys are as good as I thought. And yeah, that became a major uh, changing point in my life. Uh, a good changing point and uh, been a Rush fan ever since.
1: So when you were in those bands, were you in the same scene? Maybe when Rush was in, could you did you cross paths at all back then? Oh, no, we weren't that big. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we just started. We were in uh, in, in North Bay, but uh, my dad was in the military, and the guitar player, uh, his dad was my dad's boss, and they moved the whole division out to Winnipeg. And and we met my best friend out there and played bass and so could sing, and uh, that's when we got more heavy into the Rush-style uh, music and all that stuff. But we we did play in front of some pretty big audiences and we played back then every bar, and uh, every motel had a bar in it in Winnipeg. So we, we played usually consistently from Tuesday, Saturday, and sometimes even Mondays. So we were playing a lot, you know, and, and we, I'd always try to see how many rush songs we could squeeze in there. We had to play all the other standards. Everybody else wanted to hear, but uh, we, we managed to squeeze some, uh, some, some rush songs in there. And I also played with the Winnipeg Youth Orchestra. And when we were in session, I would actually bring all the tubular bells and glockenspiel and, and temple blocks and wind chimes <laughs> out on the road of us when we were playing, right? So much to the chagrin of my roadie back then, I guess. And uh, <laughs> But uh, he, he enjoyed it. I mean, he'd always, you know, I'd let him have free reign to bring friends in and check it all out. And actually, I went down to uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and got a kit just like Neil's because we were making good money. You know, back then, we were... Doing quite well, and uh, I went down, but I, I wanted Tama. So I got his sack kit that basically became his Farewell to King's kit, but I got it before him. That's my claim to fame. <laughs> but he, got, he, he got it fiber frabbed and everything else. Uh, I, I didn't do that, obviously. But So actually, I went down. I really like Tama because it had just come up with lock. So you have a little metal piece you can lock in when it's on the stand. You take the toms off. you go to put them back on. They go in a saxing spot every time, hmm. right? And he probably talked to Lauren, who was say the best invention ever <laughs> for, for <laughs> drums. And uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. So, you know, but we played a lot of other stuff. And, uh, you know, because of like Sega, you know, that was another band open for for uh, Max Webster. We love Max Webster. There's a band called Streetheart. And we used to open up for them or they'd open up for us, depending on what venue we we're at. And uh, so, yeah, we were playing all the time and getting to know some Bands that went on to get pretty big, right? Uh, Streetheart broke up and became Loverboy. And you probably heard of Loverboy. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's um, Streetheart. To me, my friends were the best band out there. And, and technically, music-wise, were fantastic. But they never made it anywhere. Then they go form Loverboy. Mm. <laughs> uh, they make it huge, right? So, But I have still kept in touch with Matt Burnett and Spider from the band and still talk to him. And, you know, good guys, good people. So that's my
0: big experience so how did your career progress paul from being in bands to music journalism well this is an interesting thing too because this was just a
2: total fluke i'm in it and i was uh, y2k making good money doing that and then i realized uh ah, the mainframes are going to go the way of the dodo bird so i better learn how to do a website so i started a website and i said well what do i know that people might be interested in hey music right <laughs> so that's how the canadian music scene got born and uh I just started covering a lot of small, you know, like uh, very local uh, award shows and festivals and just didn't rock the boat. And, you know, I, I write nice articles. I, I started taking a lot of pictures, started getting more and more media passes. And then uh, some of the girls that were, well, I shouldn't say girls, some of the people I know, that moved on to bigger PR companies and so on. So I started getting into bigger and bigger and bigger events until... You know, I started getting live eight. I covered live eight. I covered uh, wow. uh, Virgin Music Festival, uh, Stock. I was at Stock. Thank God, because they got uh, us journalists in and out, no problem in the back. <laughs> I wouldn't have had to try to get through that crowd if my life depended on it. And it just right. kind of right, yeah. And uh, that was that was surreal. Just look out there. You know, and I'm, you get the first three songs of, uh, of every band. So I'm out there and Rush took a little break. I'm looking over and everywhere you looked, there was people. It was just insane. It was like, I think they eventually say 600,000 people. And they're just going, wow, you know, it's, uh, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So and then I moved up uh, to what are, what's equivalent of the Grammy Awards is uh, Juno Awards. Mm-hmm. And I've been covering the Juno Awards for years and years and years. And that's where you really get your name out you know, because it moves the city to city, but there's only a few of us that are there every year. So I got to know a lot of the bands and it got, you know, and they come backstage with their, their Juno awards and I take pictures of them. I get them to do funny things. And then of course, eventually we all go celebrate the the awards that they, <laughs> they won. So, you know, you're drinking with these bands until the wee hours of the day and celebrating with them and sometimes traveling back to the city, you know, my hometown, they'd be on the plane and so that just kind of grew, you know, until eventually, yeah, I started doing the Canada Walk of Fame, which is not even just musicians, it started like, you know, I've met Ryan Reynolds, I've met Jason Priestley, I've met, you know, all these people, because they're just Canadians that do well around the world, and they get awarded a star in the Canada Walk of Fame. And uh, that's, that's basically how I came out. I don't know, I even consider myself a journalist, to be honest, but I guess I do, because I do interview bands. You know, and, and I take pictures of them. I cover the concerts. I've had some great interviews. I don't know if the band Triumph, have you ever heard of them? Oh, of course. Yeah, Rick and I are good friends. So I sat in the studio and wanted Metal Works and interviewed Rick. And I guess I did such a good job because he was expecting like an hour. Two and a half hours later, he goes, Holy shit, the wife's going to kill me. We better uh, we better wrap <laughs> this up. But, you know, don't know him over the years. I just kind of knew what questions to ask him and what, you know, and then and, and also, he had that new album come out with Resolution Nine, the new band, and uh, so then I got into that. So,
0: so yeah, I guess maybe, maybe I'm a journalist. Hey, eh? I don't know, you definitely are a journalist. Okay, yeah. thank you. Then that's good, that sounds
2: good. Uh, just I was just so happy that you know I went the right route, I didn't uh piss off anybody. And every time I applied for a media pass to go to any of these events, I got them right. And that, that's the key thing, right? Oh, like I don't know how many uh. Award shows I covered uh, with Rush, right? And that, that's how I got to know the guys really well. You know, I go to the Governor General Performing Arts Award. Why well, was the only person outside, outside of the, what do you call it, the Parliament to uh, press that had a pass to go in their Governor General's house? And so I got these great pictures. The guys came right over when they got their awards. they standing in front of me. Neil even looked. I could see him whisper over to... Uh, so Alex goes, here's that freaking guy again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and him and Alex and Getty and, uh, you know, just thrills like that. And Neil actually used a couple of my pictures from that event in his book and on and in, uh in his website, right? So when I mean, you get that, it's, it's, it's a pretty big thrill, you know. The, I didn't even know. I just told Anthem, well, SRO Management, any pictures I ever had that they wanted to use, just go ahead. Don't even ask. And a little bit else, me, I got a call from, uh, oh, my God, I can't even remember what her name was. And, and uh, she says, well, you're Russ Royalty. I go, what do you mean? Well, you're in Neil's book. You're on his website and all that <laughs> stuff. I was going to go, oh, and I didn't even know, right? So that was pretty cool. <laughs> Little events like that are pretty cool. And um, yeah, just Alex. I mean, uh, I was uh, on the board of directors for the Board of Trade of Toronto and had this huge, huge golf tournament. I mean, it was sponsored by one of the big investment companies. And I mean, they had all the top PGA guys. They had some real cool stars. And then it just happened to be, one card comes up to the one hole I'm standing on and there's Alex. I go, Oh huh. Hey Alex, how's it going? Sorry. I just started talking to him a bit. And then there's a young kid was just standing too shy to talk to Alex, and he wanted Alex to sign something. And I say, Hey, remind me. And I get this little guy. And Alex has always been like that. Ever since I've known him. like he'll stop whatever. And if it's a kid, a young kid, a fan wants something, he'll sign it, right? He's he's been fantastic for that. I I can go on about how many times I've seen him just You know, an after party in Toronto in the Molson Amphitheater, and there's uh, two guys in wheelchairs, and they can't get up where Alex is. And Alex is chatting away, even with some good-looking women. of course, women always uh, like talking Mm to Alex. And I came over, and I see him almost get mad, but I said, Alex, I pointed down to the guys in the wheelchairs, and he stopped. Went right down there, got his picture taken with them and all that stuff, and signed a bunch of stuff for him. That's the way he is from, from how I know him. And, you know, so I've been thrilled to you know, do, uh, share experiences with that, you know, and I've golfed with him a couple of times myself in charity tournaments. So that's pretty cool. And he's very serious. <laughs> 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 yeah. He's not the fun loving Alex <laughs> when you're golfing. Let me tell you that. Yeah. You better play well and he better be taking it serious or he probably won't be playing golf with Alex ever again. Yeah. So yeah. unfortunately, I I love golfing too. So it, uh, I had no problem with that. And yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, little experiences like that did this kind of like, you know, make your Rush life, make my life, period, just uh, yeah. pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about Rush and their place in Canadian music. So, how would you characterize, obviously, their spot in the history of Canadian rock music? Well,
2: I'm being a little, a little biased, but uh, yeah, to me, it's it, Canadian music history is Rush. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but most of us have that attitude, but uh, definitely a major, major influence. I mean, you know, there's a lot of great bands that have come out of Canada, and I I had that written down, you know, like Lannis Morissette, Shania Twain, Brian Adams. I mean, the huge stars have come through, but they're right up there. They're always considered, when you hear anything up here about the top 50 bands or whatever, and they're always in the list. Or the top guitarists or top drummer, all that stuff. They're, they always make it in, if not at the very top, usually in the least in the top 10 in any polls up here in Canada. So I think they're, they're really, really well-respected, and, uh, and they should be, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: I got interviewed by a CBC when they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's our big, it's like NBC or something. like our, our It's one of our big uh, TV networks, mm-hmm. and I've got a kid like Neil, so I'm down there racking away on the kit, playing away. Well, you guys, you know, talking to me, and 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 he sits there and he goes, uh, I can't remember what it was. Damn it, I had it in my head my head second. Anyway, just oh, I know what it was. I said, I told him, I said way back in 1975 when I first heard him, I knew that one day they would always be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, and uh, the guy goes, yeah, you heard it from Paul. He predicted it. How many years ago? <laughs> yeah, so that felt pretty
1: good too. You're like one of the few people though, who I guess was certain that they'd get into the rock and roll hall of fame because (laughs) it took a long time
2: it took a long time you know i'm good friends with donna helper and i know she was doing everything she could to try to get it out there and you know she had like missions for me to go on to try to get a hold of people up here i I would definitely go and do it right and uh i mean you know but it, it was funny one time even you know, I can't, it would have been one of the golf tournaments of Alex. And he just, he honestly just said, he goes, oh, we don't really care. He says, we got so many awards and this and that, and this and that. And it wasn't to be a slight to the fans. It was just that he really says, oh, we don't need another award, right? But I was at the, the after party in in, uh, in LA after they got their award. And I was down there, you know, and, and Getty and them were mingling around. And Getty actually came in, heartfeltly said that he goes, we didn't realize how much it meant to the fans. He was talking, he was interviewing someone, being interviewed by somebody else, but I was standing right there. And he goes, We didn't realize how much it meant to the fans. Now we do. And he goes, So this is just as much for them. You know, it makes us happy to have it now because of the fans, right? So, yeah. and I could tell that was heartfelt. So that was pretty cool to hear that. Yeah, you know, because the longest time, you know, how many awards have they got? They got awards coming out through yin yang right so yeah it, they, they really didn't feel it was that important until after they got there and that night i don't know were you there that night yes
0: we were both there yeah the
2: crowd went freaking bananas right yeah absolutely insane i mean it started with yelling at Jan wiener whatever his name is and, <laughs> yeah
1: I'm called i think it's <laughs> something big, else everybody booed him when he stepped out on stage and, and,
2: and it was spontaneous <laughs> and it wasn't right. like one guy started it was almost spontaneous right right and it, it went on for like five minutes and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then when they came out, you know, and they go, it didn't even have to say who they were, and just from Toronto, right?
1: Right. The place exploded.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think right then there they realized how important it was for the fans. You know, the the that their band is that good and had to be recognized. You know, in, in one of the most uh, you know valued places for for rock and roll, right? So yeah, yeah so it
0: was pretty cool. That was uh,
2: that was a great night.
0: <laughs> yeah, you weren't surprised by Alex's speech, I bet.
2: I I have to say it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although I stole it at the night for Neil. <laughs>
0: that's right.
2: I had to be done, right? I came out and I just brought out a piece of paper, right? Well, you guys are there and I just I went blah 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 oh wrong paper and put it in uh, put it in my pocket and did my real speech. But yeah, I mean that's a classic. Yeah. that would go down history, people will remember that forever, right?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, because all the people in the audience, you know, we were up top he started out with the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then he kept going and we're like, this is going to be his entire speech. All of us were like, this is crazy. And he starts acting out like being, you you going to say his like,
2: expressions too, right? <laughs> like he was like,
1: yeah, yeah, and then blah, blah. He, he pantomimed a whole story about how they got there. It was great. Yeah. Even doing his hair,
2: you know, doing his hair and getting all <laughs> right. this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. That was just an unbelievable day. And it was really weird. I, I I was humming a honorable going down there. And then last minute I just went down and, uh, I can't remember. Probably Peggy got me a ticket. Like, so I was down where the tables were, just above the tables. But I got in a weird sight. It's like when the performers and, and, and that were honoring all the people, when they're finished, they came out and sat beside me. So I ended up right. having all these musicians and all that coming off the stage from playing, sitting beside me. But you know what? I just say it's a horseshoe. I mean, I, I get stuff like that all the time. I don't know why and how it happens. But I mean, shit like that happens to me all the time. I just, oh, here's everybody that's performing tonight coming and sitting beside me, right? It's like, just Peggy got me a ticket at the last minute, but yeah. And uh, and that night to uh, Dave Grohl, I got to meet Dave, a wonderful guy, and Taylor Hawkins, rest in peace. And uh, God, they were amazing. Like, they were just talking to me like I've known them all my life. And, I mean, i was just a little guy sitting there, right? And these guys like, arguably still are at the top of the world in, in the music business, right? And like, Wow. It was just so cool. Right. To this, I talked to Dave for like 40 minutes and, mm. and I don't know if I'm, i figured Dave had to know Alex's uh, mom, but he says, I've never met her. And she was over there. So I, I introduced him to Alex's mom. And, uh, and to this day, I still think he was just pulling my leg, but I mean, you know, it was pretty cool. Like I could just say, Hey Dave, here's,
0: here's Alex's mom. And that's like, uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that was a lot of fun. You're like the Forrest Gump of Rush, Paul. Every major <laughs> event of Rush's life, you're there. Yeah, yeah. I just happened to be in the background. There I am. Saturday, oh, my right? God. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, on your website, I saw the pictures of the opening of Lee Leifson Art Park in Toronto. Yeah. I'm guessing you were there, too, right?
2: Well, I was the only one that had a media pass besides huh? the, the city of North York where it is. Yeah, So, yeah, I was there. Yeah.
0: That's a beautiful place.
2: Yeah, it was it was pissing rain, too, so it was great. I would get to go under the tent and take a lot of pictures, though, and then some of the pictures I took of the fans were all, like, my friends, and there was, like, was Bev, the Rush Girl, and, and Jill, and a bunch of them, and Donald Gaziola's in there and all that stuff, and I'm just laughing. It was a great time again up there, right? And and the whole family was there. And uh, that was just another funny event because uh, something about uh, – Kenny was saying that was the first spot that Alex took him to get him high, right? <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> Alex looks around at his mom and goes, he can't see that. Our moms are sitting right back there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, there's still even at this age just these little jokes, oh, I can't see that. My mom's here, right? Yeah, <laughs> my, my sister and all that. I became really good friends with his uh, his sister, Sally. So, I don't know if you know all the fan conventions. There was RushCon. Mm-hmm. And uh, RushCon 2, he sent his mom and uh, Sally to see what it was. Are we all crazy <laughs> or, or is it a legit, legitimate type of event, which of course it is. And uh, I just hung around with them all day because I, w- I was sponsored to Rushcon back then and they were busy, the, the The crew and I had the time to spend with them. Sally and I are still really good friends. And it's just funny how things work out like that, right? It's just just interesting. <laughs> yeah.
1: So is this the, the Rushcon? Because there's so many of them, but it's the one that's just called Rushcon. This, Rush this Khan, is the right? real Rushcon, yeah. Yeah.
2: I, i pretty well, go to all of them. I've been to a couple of Yukon's, uh, a Rush family reunion, but the main one I do now is Rush Fest Scotland. I think mm-hmm. you met Steve yeah. Brown over there, right? Yeah, yeah we did. I, yeah. So he started it and I pretty well go over every year and I bring guests over or interview guests. And next year we're bringing, uh, and this, for everybody's listening, you want to come over to Rush Fest Scotland next year because we have the Peart family. We have, uh, uh, Nancy and Judy, and we're working on Danny, and we have uh, Terry Brown coming over, and Hugh Syme. so yeah. the Friday night is me being talkative, like I can be, I guess, and I'll be interviewing <laughs> all those guys, special guests, and then also they're putting me to work, it's, uh, anybody that's there gets, it's it's a meet and greet, you pay for, for an extra for this one, and I'll put my camera up, and my tripod, and my lighting, and I'll be taking pictures of everybody who was a celebrity, they put me to work when I go over there, I tell you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't miss it. Scotland is fantastic. I get a car and I drive all around Scotland and haven't killed anybody or myself yet. And, uh, <laughs> and even Terry, trust me when I, when we go over, right. <laughs> Cause he hasn't been over there for years. So, so we go there and rent a car and uh, I'll do the driving. So it's a pretty nice compliment. The fact that he doesn't like uh, put on an extra seatbelt in a crash. Like
1: that. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> yeah. So is there a big difference, would you say between North American Rush fans and European
2: Rush fans. Very, very. It's very interesting. I mean, ah, man. Like one of the key things for all the Rush fan conventions that I've always believed in and helped support it is is you get stuff and you raise money for charities. Mm-hmm. Now the funny thing over here is like like RushCon. You know they're uh-huh. very picky. Everything's got to be signed or it's got to be signed by all three guys. Stuff like that I brought over a poster, uh, Clockwork Angels poster, signed by all three guys. And uh, these guys had spent more on getting some some engraved McCallum glasses and stuff like that. <laughs> and this homemade stuff that people bring in this money. They're not—they—they—they they spend a fortune on stuff. But it, over here, everything was more like signed stuff. Everything had to be, you know, assigned and stuff like that. We're over there; they don't even care. They—they—they they, they enjoy it. They like it. But they'll—they'll they'll spend money definitely to support charities. So I found that a big difference. Just the overall way too, right? Uh, the older songs. I mean, they're just like here, like we, you know, but it's just, uh, it's a different atmosphere over there. It's just, yeah, I mean, well, we had a lot of fun at RushCon, too, but I think even during the day, when you get the tribute band playing, the crowd's all, you know, singing along and having a great time with it, right? So, but I'd say definitely it's slightly different. Maybe it's just because of the environment, you know, it's a totally, we get a lot of Europeans over, too, right? Yeah. They come over from, from the, the mainland, so, or whatever they call it. Yeah, so, but it's just fun. We just have a great time, and uh, and the key thing we could do is, any special guests we bring over, I we get them to come over early, and I take them all, all around Scotland, right, so they can see it. It's a beautiful country. Uh, Steve Bruin lives up near uh, Glenfinian, which is where the bridge for Harry Potter is. I don't know, remember the train? Oh, oh, yeah. The bridge with the big arches? Yeah, that's, that's real. It's right up. Steve lives five miles away from him, right? So oh. I always take people up there to get a little highlight there. Then we go to Erisag, and that's where he lives. It's a hundred and Sixty people, maybe. Yeah, but it's beautiful. It's right on this beautiful country, and there's a little bar. We go in there, and and uh, we'll sing, you know, all sorts of different songs. Get the bar going. It's it's just so classic that you just don't see that really here, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just so like, almost like you would think I'm going to go in this little bar, and there's going to be locals singing and, and playing Scottish music and all that stuff. And, and that's what it's like. It's just really cool. Yeah, yeah,
0: We have to get out there this year, Jar. Don't you yeah, think? Yeah, really. Yeah, you got an
2: open invite. You can do a live podcast from, uh, from Rush for Scotland.
1: I was just going to say, if you're going to drive us around, I guess we're going. That'd be great. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to let us know that. We got a big
1: group. So we uh,
2: we have uh, one guy, Sandy, uh really nice guy. We rent like about a nine-person uh, Mercedes uh, people transport thing, right? And because, uh but this year I get to just be the, like a uh, guest. I don't have to drive because like uh, drinking and driving is very serious over there. Maybe one beer and be questionable. So, you know, it wasn't as fun as it usually is when I was driving everybody around because having one beer, not in my vocabulary. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And what do you mean? I can't have a scotch, right? So, but yeah, we got a guy that's really keen and uh, hopefully we we'll be driving this all around and, and uh, it's a good time. Like we go to Loch Ness, you know, you have enough oh, yeah. uh, taste of the single mulch, you go swing with Nessie. I've done that before,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's
2: my claim to fame. I've swam with Nessie, I stick into it. It was probably just a rock, but uh, <laughs> you know, after about 20 drams of uh single malt scotch, uh, it looked like Nessie, right? So, there we go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so do you think that maybe some of the enthusiasm uh, the European Rush fans have is because Rush didn't play much in Europe?
2: That's a great question, that's a really good question. I, I honestly don't know how to answer that one. Yeah. Rush didn't come up as often as they, w- they would have liked them to, but, uh, they seem to, you know, find places to go, like the European Yukon, like they get a good crowd to that too. They I think they're desperately looking for places like that to, to live the rush, you know, uh, still like you know, celebrate rush. Right. So, uh, yeah, I would imagine that, that, that some of it is, you know, it leans towards the fact that the guys didn't play there as often as they would have liked them to play. Because
1: <laughs> we here in North America are kind of... Jeez, Toronto? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What do you
2: want me to say there?
1: We're spoiled. Is that what you're trying to say? I was trying to say that's exactly what we were. We were a little spoiled because we knew that they were going to come around. And when they came around, you know, the, the East Coast, they played three or four places. You could go see them easily.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was definitely... After Neil, thing with Neil's family you know, uh, and they started touring again and it was interesting. I, I went to the a couple of shows and I just decided after that, every tour after that, I'm going to at least 10 shows, 12 shows. Right. Oh, wow. And I just started doing that in uh, 2004. I think it was r 30. I went over to UK and I did the, all the shows in the UK. I went over to Italy. I went over to Germany and yeah, you know, I just I decided I was going to do that. No, what I, I would never trade it. That was one of the highlights of my life for sure. It's just, Touring them with along, along with them basically and just seeing them all right. It was just, and of course, uh, that tour there was two shows in Wembley and the second show was uh September 9th, which is my birthday. And I'll mention Peggy again. Hey Peggy, thank you. Yeah, and she got me, uh, I mean, to me just told me to go to the will call, and I went and she had me a ticket front row center for, for wow. that. She was so like,
0: Yeah, wow,
2: and never asked for it. That's just the way she is, just a wonderful person. and yeah, a big beam was going across my face that night. I couldn't, couldn't do any wrong, right? Yeah. Except for Neil screwed up in one song. And Dreamline, oh no. where he starts doing the role, he came in early. He started building it up and then he just kind of calmed it down and yeah, he kind of let him go. And then he came back and did it. It's the First time I think I've ever heard it air live uh, with Neil. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, what about Rush's final show, Paul? Were you at that one as well? Oh, yeah. I was there. <laughs> Thoughts on that night?
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I went. I was at Irvine and was at the forum, right? And uh, I was with a couple of guys. There's a band, a guy band called The Tiles. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Mm-hmm. And Chris Heron, he works a lot with uh, like Dream Theater guys and all that stuff. And uh, sitting with him and his brother, and it was just yeah, really weird. You know, when it was over, when Neil kind of was taking pictures from the guys, you know, and then came out to the front and. With the guys, I said, whoop, this is it. (laughs) And uh, when they left the stage, I think I I just stood there for like 15 minutes, just, just, well, I won't admit I was crying, but I probably was crying. (laughs) Yeah. The next day we had a a tour of LA with uh, Rushcon, and man, I just, anything would trigger me off. I'd just just be thinking about this and pretty well crying the whole day, right? So, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was sad. It was like, you know, I'm happy there. Would I've been devastated if I missed it? Yeah, big time. After being a fan since '75, but you know, it was just uh, yeah. But you know what? They don't owe us anything. You know, I look at it now, uh, look what they provided for us over the years. You know, and and I, I think for me, it was like dreamline. You're only immortal for a limited time, and I thought I was pretty well immortal when Rush was still going, and then all of a sudden they weren't going. I already felt it, right? I went, oh my god, you know. You always knew there was going to be a new record followed by a tour and it both were going to be spectacular. <laughs> and all of a sudden it wasn't happening anymore. Right. Yeah. Now
1: you also done uh, some interviews with people who, you know, the, the, the crew members for rush over the years. Can you tell us a little bit about how those came about? That was, that was one of the highlights.
2: I don't know why it's, uh, I just, you know, knowing I've known Howard for a long time now, Howard Unger And, and, uh, and I got to know Lauren Wheaton after a while. And I just realized how much work those guys do on a, on a, on a day, you know, the show is going to be played. And I said, somebody should know that. You know what I mean? And that's really, really how I felt. I said, somebody should know that. So I went to Peggy. Yeah. Hey, Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> hey alluded Peggy, I mentioned a lot in this. And I said, I want to interview these guys. And they said, well, who do you have in mind? So I had already talked to Howard and, and Lauren about it. So Peggy put out a little email to them and said, if you're interested, you know, I approve it. And that's how that kind of started. And then uh, all the rest of the crew found out what I was doing and wanted to be involved too, right? So so basically I would start, you know, I'd go there however early I had to be there in the morning. And with Lauren, it's like 7 o'clock or uh, Howard, it's like 7 o'clock, you know, and, and I'd spend the whole day just documenting what he did, filming all the lights in the floor, all the lights getting up on the stage, all the lights being hooked up. I mean, everything. And then, and then back testing and and, and the console. And that. And then the speaker guys, like uh, Brent Carpenter and Brad Maddox, I spent the day with them. And stuff that they, it was funny, they didn't even know how much wattage they had. So when we worked it out, the, the Rush Show has 360,000 watts of power. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and these, the, the speakers are all brand new. So there's actually a computer system that monitors the power flow, monitors the sound and power flow into each one of the speakers, and it adjusts all so long. It's adjusting itself to just get the best, most optical sound over those speakers, yeah. I mean, it, it, even they have become somewhat high-tech, right? And then with with Howard, I've, I've been up to this place many times, and he showed me how to run the, the whole hog consoles, and the amount that goes into those lights, each light can move different ways and variations, and each one of the ways they can move... It's what they call like a part of a universe, right? And each light can have like eight, nine, ten components, and you have to you find that for each movement of the light. So when you sit there and you see the show and their lights are moving like kind of mechanically, that's all been programmed in, and it takes a long time to do that. And then they all with a rest position when they're done, and boop, they come back down. Yeah, that's how it says that takes them like three or four or five months to get that all programmed and ready for a tour, right? So so mm. I learned all that too, and that was pretty fascinating. <laughs> not saying I can go on and become a roadie, not saying I want to, it's a lot of hard work, I guarantee. you.
1: Yeah, yeah it's a lot of backbreaking work. After
2: eight eight shows, uh, Frenchie their their chef uh, started cooking meals for me too.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. So I
2: felt I felt like I was part of the crew then, right? Yeah. You do that and then you know, of course, the crew goes and the dinner early. Yeah, no way. I, I'm staying for the I'm Sorry. <laughs> right. I only have right. eight chances to just to see <laughs> sound checks. So I stayed for all the sound checks and all that stuff. And uh, that you know, that was pretty cool. Each day just just, you know, watching the guys come in and and the almost sound check is funny too. One time like Neil's almost as soon as the soundcheck's over, he's like, gone, right? And someday he was just kind of mingling in front of his drum kit. And for years I've had Alex send him uh, a bottle of twelve year old McAllen, Christmas and all that stuff, and uh, he'd send me a book back a book signed, you know you know, thoughtful and tasteful gifts and all that. It was really cool, right, just doing that stuff. And uh, he came by, and and I was standing with Alex, so I guess he felt okay to come by and say, and then Alex introduced me, and he goes, oh, Paul from the Canadian music scene. Like, he knew, like, the man was brilliant, right? He, he just, as soon as he heard my name, he saw the Canadian music scene, right? I went, wow, that's pretty impressive, right? And Yeah, so another few times, I met him a few times after that, and yeah, I loved the man, just a brilliant, just brilliant brilliant man. And, uh, you know, he, he has his quirks about being isolated but that's his own choice right he's just not big with with being the limelight as the quote right but when you meet him especially meeting him through one of the band members he was so friendly he was just you know and he had big mitts man oh man he shakes your hand and it's like holy crap yeah he's big (laughs) he's a big man yeah 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 yeah
1: Yeah. so put us in the room when you're listening to rush's sound check what is that like oh
2: fantastic and and Couple times I actually went with Brad Maddox, and what he does is he uh, like there's nobody there, right? I mean, the crew is all set everything up, the lights are just Howard. There's the sound guys, and and Brad Maddox has this cool device, and he can walk around the whole arena, and the, the device measures the sound quality of where it is, and he can sit there and remotely adjust the sound, you know, from wherever he's standing in the arena. That just blew me away. I said, Christ, what the technology do they have on that? right? Really? So we literally walk around. The first level then up to the second level and we go key spots and we would just i just watch them sit there and read the sound quality and they'd be able to adjust a bit here and there and that was totally fascinating and just it's cool like they came out and they play a couple songs you know and they kind of play it it's never a whole like it's all parts of songs so they never sing the whole song all together and then they just once the, the sound guy was happy with that they would just start jamming right they just start playing crap and i swear one time it was headlong flight and it, it, before it was ever released, right? Because now that I, I remember it, when I go, bom, 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 and, and I was going, oh, this is a great sounding song. And uh, I don't do it justice, obviously. But uh, yeah, and later on, it's yeah, that was it. And Howard confirmed where we go, yeah, that was a long flight, the one that you really liked a lot. I said, cool. <laughs> yeah, so that was, you know, that's the inner sanctum. Like you, don't, you don't see people there. Right? It was me and a few other people. So that was a privilege, a huge privilege. And like I say, Guys, you go, You come to dinner? I go, No, oh, I'll see you later. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm missing my chance to sit there and see sound check, right? So yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So that yeah, another great experience. So also on your blog, I noticed pictures of Rush receiving the highest civilian honor in Canada, the officers of the Order of Canada. Now, were you there for that as well, Paul?
2: I was there. Those aren't my pictures, but I was there. Yeah. At that time, for some reason, they weren't letting the press in. Like, I, uh, so I didn't capture those ones, but, uh, because it's is a governor general, uh, so the, I don't know if you know the hierarchy, so, you know, we still, you know, the monarchy, the queen, well, the king now, uh, you know, so his representative is the governor general of Canada. Okay. So when we want to do new parliaments or dissolve parliaments and all that stuff, that goes through the governor general. So he's like pretty high ranked in, in, in our, in a hierarchy of everything that, you know, in our parliaments and all that stuff. So yeah, he's uh that award and also the Governor General Performing Arts Awards, which I did have a media pass and you probably saw those pictures and, and Neil used those. Uh, yeah, as a civilian, that's the two highest you can get. And for the order of Canada, there's three levels where I think there's just a member, there's an officer and then a companion. The companion is like you're you're pretty well godlike and an officer is like not too many people get those and that's the level that Rush have is, is an officer of the order of Canada. Yeah, and you're supposed to wear that. So you see that every time after that, you see their suits and that. There's a little, a little white looks like a flower, a little tiny pin. That's the pin for Order of Canada. You're supposed to wear that forever for the rest of your life. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna have to take notice of that. I have, I don't think I ever noticed that. I know if it's event that it's gonna be fairly popular. Alex has
2: told me because I we will make sure we wear it because he knows he knows I'll be looking. Right. <laughs> 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 hey, where's your, where's your um, your little metal thing there, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So that's basically, you know, as high as you can get. Those the two highest awards you can get that civilians in Canada. So it's pretty important. That's quite the honor, right, for that. And there was no blah, blah, blah speech at any of those. And they actually <laughs> saw they were in, in tuxedos and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you guys get into it? Has anybody ever asked that? Oh, sure.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Well, I'll have to go back and listen to your podcast. No, and- <laughs> well, you
0: can do that or we could tell the story now. Real quick, I joined the Columbia Music Club. You got 13 albums for a penny, and one of the albums I got was Moving Pictures.
2: Oh, nice album for a penny, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that hooked me right from there. And Jerry's story involves me inviting him to a Rush show in 1986. Right, because I was the only one who could drive, and so
1: I got got the ticket. There we go, eh? uh, Yeah, and it was just the greatest show I'd ever seen, and then I was just a ridiculous Rush fan.
2: Rush fan conventions are like that, right? Yeah. We're all basically people who grew up. We love the band, but didn't have a whole lot of people that we could talk to and associate and had the same love of the band as us, right? So that's why I remember going to the first RushCon. Oh, I can talk about Rush all day if I want, right? Yeah, you know, we can listen listen to Rush music as loud as we want, and nobody's going to call me a geek or or say turn it down. Everybody, if anything, people tell you turn it up, right? So it's just I, I found that interesting that there's. Yeah, how do you see it? It's just a definitely different, different group of people that really draw towards the band, for sure. Yeah, You know, like, and to me, that's great. I'm glad they weren't, like, you know, number one hits or popular and all that stuff that I don't think uh, it would have been the same, you know? Like, no offense to John Rutsey. I love John Rutsey. I've got to meet his dad recently, and uh, but the band wouldn't have been around now like it is, like it did if he was still playing, right? Yeah, I mean, but enough from all like, he's a great player and all that stuff, but you know, somebody had to write the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. So, do you have any Rush events coming up?
2: Uh nothing right now. The next one will be Rush Fest Scotland over in 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 May six over in over in Scotland, obviously in Glasgow. as they stay. And uh, like I say, a whole bunch of us going over. It's going to be a good time. Do you like Flesh? The guy and the girl from Brazil. Bleach. Well, see, yeah, I'm saying that, but martin himself told me it's flesh yeah, oh really yeah. no way yeah yeah because i would steve Brown's always saying it's fleece fleece it's fleece right <laughs> right I, so hey yeah if fleece how's it going they go and martin goes it's flesh i go okay well if
1: you say so <laughs> I, mean, well, I, sure. I would
2: trust martin on that one right yeah, yeah i gonna sure. have the right accent yeah yeah they're gonna be coming over next year too so that should be pretty cool you know yeah. and uh we had jacob moon uh Last year, but I I didn't go. I was still too close to, uh, unfortunately, the pandemic going pretty crazy. And uh, it's taken this long now for me to even convince Terry to come over. I mean, you know, he's uh, he's up there, 75, and he's pretty concerned about it, right? So uh, he seems to be a lot more open to it. And uh, Hugh Syme's always a character, so that'd be interesting if we get him over. He was going to grant me an interview one time, but he said I would have to have a giant light behind him. So it was just a black silhouette. You couldn't see his face. <laughs> That's the type of way he is, right? Yeah, yeah. I was looking at him. Yeah, he goes, oh, no, I'm not joking. I went, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So he wanted like a bright light. So all you would see is just like this black silhouette of his face, right? And I went, that was interesting. He said, But he's got some great stories. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and Neil's family should be fantastic, right? I mean, uh, oh yeah. They, they really enjoyed the night for Neil. And I saw them the next morning and, uh, Benny even came up in a little pusher and gave me a little hug and said, it couldn't have gone any better. And yeah, you know, I had to turn around and not try to cry when you get that compliment from her. Right. And, and Judy and, uh, and Nancy were like beaming ear to ear. Right. I mean, they, they, they all just said it was, couldn't have gone any better. So that that's a great compliment. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It really was a great night.
2: Well, it was a lot of work oh, right from the beginning. It you know, I laughed in my statement. I said, the world's been trying to prevent us from having this, but we're here. <laughs> right? It's like, right. let's, let's celebrate Neil, right? And show our love and respect for him, right? Because yeah, it's two and a half years of, oh, all sorts of things, you know, with this going on and that going on. And some people we shouldn't talk to. And some people we hope to talk to. It just, it was, you know, so when it finally came on, it was just like, oh, wow, this is great. You know, and to see that many people, I mean, when you're up on stage, you get up and uh, holy crap, the place is full, right? You know, was, that's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> so before we wrap up, Paul, what would you say Rush's legacy is? How will they be remembered 50 years from now?
2: Wow. Well, <sighs> great musicians and managed to get to a point where they could do what they wanted to do and not have to succumb to the needs of the record labels, right? And I think that is what a lot of the fans respected him for, right? you know, and adjustability, you know, like they didn't always have to put out like uh, hemispheres and, and, and the X one of they could shorten their music and play that way too. But and kind of adjust to the musical style that was kind of uh, the big at the time when they were doing their realms. So I think this is their total musicianship out uh, of fact that they were friends, you know, like there was only three of them and always would only be three of them. Like, I mean, they were true, good friends too. There was no, by by doing thirty-three, thirty three, thirty three, there was another ominousity between the band members. They all got along and you know, that type of stuff. So to me it's like legacy is how a band should be. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you get along, you're great musicians, you write great music, you entertain your fans and great crew and staff behind you so that like your your productions, your shows are always fantastic too, right? So you provided number one for everything. The music, uh, the shows you know and 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 uh, to me, that's what it, the legacy I think of them they were just always true to who they were, right that to me means a lot, yeah, yeah.
0: Paul, thanks so much for joining us today on the Rush fancast and sharing your stories with us. check out the canadian dot com Paul, thanks so much.
2: you know what? Oh, you're welcome. I sure have never put the. <laughs> What's that? It's not the. Uh, everybody goes, Canadian music scene. And I go, well, there's a the in front of it, right? I yeah, should have never put there. it there. Should have never put it there. yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, great. It was a pleasure meeting you guys there. I'm glad you came out for a night for new and had a good time. And uh, this has been great. I really enjoyed it. Maybe we'll see you in Scotland next year, right?
1: Oh, I'd love to go.
2: Yeah, we'll take you over to the McAllen for. Yeah. We always stop in the McAllen or Abel or both. So, I mean,. Uh, yeah, to go there, and uh, oh, one quick story on that one. So we went one year, and uh, the cool whiskey maker gave us a bit of the private tour, and we're in where the the the, the, the barrels and the kegs are. And uh, and she goes, uh, "This is a thirty-five year old one." I went, "Oh my God, that must be worth like a fortune." She she goes, "Anyone want to taste?" My friends aren't quite the, the single malt guys like I am, so I went, uh, yeah." <laughs> so she goes over, pulls out the cork, gets his ladle, and You can just reach in start drinking this 35 year old, uh, McCallum. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's almost an experience in itself. I mean, the 12, 18 are cool, but the 35 year old is just like, yeah, it's insane. How good it is. Yeah. So that's, that's one of my favorite McCallum stories. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Maybe grace. I I
1: appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So Jerry, I say this all the time after we have a
1: guest, but how great was that? I know so many stories I'm telling you. The Forrest Gump of Rush, that is the greatest description.
0: That's what I was thinking when he's talking. I'm like, this guy's everywhere. He's Forrest Gump. I know. The things that he's done
1: and the things that he's seen, I'm very, very jealous of him. Just amazing. Just amazing. And he plays golf with Alex all the time. How cool is that? And it was just such a great thing to just meet him randomly at a night for Neil. So interesting. Love talking to
0: him. And as soon as I met him, I said to myself, we've got to get this guy on. Right. Because he was telling me stories five minutes after I met him, and I'm thinking, Wow.
1: <laughs> You're like, hold on to those sto- I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Just come on the, <laughs> the podcast, right? Don't waste the stories.
0: Exactly. You can find us on Twitter, we're at RushFancast. Instagram, find us at the Rushcast. Email Jerry. Let him know what you thought of our conversation with Paul Belou at TheRushCast at gmail.com The base intro and outro. That's Lex, of course. And Jerry's got a great quote to wrap it up, as he always does. Yeah, it's a lyric from Ghost of a Chance. Ah, very
1: cool. I don't believe in the stars or the planets or angels watching from above, but I believe as a ghost of a chance, we can find someone to love and make it last.
0: Awesome. Thanks,
1: Jerry. All right, see you later.